So now uh, we have the discussion. And so what we would like to do is that uh, we would like to alternate. So some people are very comfortable doing the hand, the electronic hand and speaking on the video. And then other people actually don't have a good internet connection and it might be a little difficult uh, to do the video, to speak, and other people might not be comfortable with it. So uh, we saw that yesterday, uh, Gina only had the time uh, to answer the people on the video. And then uh, what we're going to try to do this time is that I'll take one person on video and then one person on chat so that both uh, can be addressed. So people who want to ask a question directly, put uh, the end. And the people who have or want to ask questions on the chat, then put them in the chat. And then according to what arises, then I will answer alternatively, and we will not forget the chat. But so far, we have four people who have raised their hands, and so uh, five now. So uh, exactly, you see, uh, why we present them together uh, for us with Gina is that they really complement each other. Yes. And as we both said, it's not a permanent state, mm -hmm. but it's quality that we can cultivate, but each is going to help each other. And also, if you connect equanimity to them, you mm -hmm. realize equanimity is not about separation, but yes. is in bringing balance and stability. Mm -hmm. It doesn't stop us from loving, from rejoicing, etc. So no, exactly, exactly. That, in a way, that's the point of what we wanted to do. Yeah. So now uh, uh, we go into the chat and not directly related to Mudita, but uh, in terms of benefit from Meta, could you say something about how Meta affects the recipient? Do you, do you think people we bring into our practice can benefit from the energy we extend in this way? I had a wonderful uh, experience with my seniors. So the seniors, in Caen, in the scientific study, had never meditated before. So they very kindly came on the experiment. And there was this lady, part of a group of 15, I worked with for 18 months, and very shy, very kind of, you know, she did not say much, and, you know, she did not feel sure, and thing of that nature. Nine months on, as we all talk, you know, we had sharing circles, she said, I don't know why, but people are so much more friendly to me now. And we thought, hmm, what does this mean? Does this mean she's more friendly, so they're more friendly? Or is it that she's less afraid so that she can be more friendly and see the friendliness? So for us, it was so interesting that in a way is... What do you bring to an encounter? Do you bring, in a way, to an encounter bias and prejudices? And you, in a way, set yourself up and the other person? Or do you bring to the encounter, let's meet this human being, with friendliness and wisdom, and see what happens? So I think, yes, it does. 
I mean, if you have somebody with stress and agitated, it's different if you have somebody who is really calm and not afraid. So I think to me, actually the four qualities are a gift for ourselves. I think they can also be gift we give others. Anyway, that's my experience also going to visit uh, the mother of a friend in a nursing home for a while to help her out. And what that lady liked was that I was so calm with her. And she was a Quaker, but the nursing home was so agitated. And so what I gave her once a week is just I would be sitting calmly with friendliness. And she just loved that. So in a way, it is something that we can also, of course, give to others. Then, no, don't be dismayed. You see, this is one of the, the things about this quality is that we explore. Uh, we explore how it feels, and then it might, might make us see that yes, a lot of the time, again, you see, it depends on conditions. So if we are very comfortable in nature, very comfortable with animals, then this is very uncomplicated. Our mudita toward them will be very uncomplicated. But if you are allergic in nature, you might not see nature in the same way. Or if you're allergic to cats, uh, even if you love cats, again, the the relationship might be a little different. And I think it's a thing with people. What is interesting, and that's why I've, I talk about in, you know, rejoicing in their happiness, their good news. Our relationship to people is complex, especially if we know them. You know, because with people, we often have ups and downs. It's generally not just like a calm lake. You know, if you have a history with people, there is really ups and downs. And in a way, it's kind of like, how can I creatively engage with people? And I think the qualities are really essential in terms of that, in the same way that lady saying, oh, now everybody is friendly to me, when very likely before she might have been more critical to them or possibly more afraid of them. So I think it's kind of like seeing, oh, as Gina was saying, you know, is that, oh, I have, it's easier that way. And then I think the way to work with this is to go to the people who, again, it seems more natural. And then slowly, slowly seeing, you know, uh, what type of people actually will come easy and other type of people will come more difficult. I think also we have to see that. And that's why when I do this practice, I generally try to bring specific people. And then I can see, actually, it's a little different. You know, it's like that. Some people will naturally feel uh, easy with, and some people it's a little more difficult. So it's kind of also exploring the conditionality in terms of different people. And then, so the question was, uh, uh, can you please repeat the name of Charlotte? So name is Charlotte Walker. And the blog is purple, like the color persuasion. And she has wonderful article. And she also does mindfulness. And that's what is so interesting with her. When she said, when I'm well, mindfulness is very helpful. When I'm very unwell, mindfulness cannot help. 
at all. So it's, she's written a very interesting article in terms of mental health and mindfulness. Then uh, I can appreciate the many joy my children bring. However, I often focus on more difficult aspects, like how they leave their things everywhere and the struggle is trying to get them to help. I perceive this behavior to cause harm to my energy level in either living with the mess, tidying up or getting help. Any tips on how to work with this? This is tricky. I mean, this is tricky. Uh, children, I mean, I, I have not any, but I can see the children uh, of others. And I used to have my uh, niece uh, when she was younger. It's very tricky because the children will be different at different time of their lives. And they are their own being. And parents have really kind of lots of hopes for their children, which often kind of a different age of the child, it will be a little kind of a, a challenging. And so, yeah, I mean, you present it so much, you know, can I live with the mess? Uh, if I tidy up, then, you know, I, I cannot do something else or I need to pay somebody to help. This is kind of like, how can you approach it with them? I mean, how much can they listen to you? How much you can do this in a friendly way? How much are they, you know, it depends if they're young children or if they're teenager, if they're in the rebellious mode or not rebellious mode. Uh, how much you like things to be really clean or not really clean. Is it in communal area? Is it in their own room? Personally, I would give up on their own room uh, if I was you. Kind of, you know, we give them a space that can be as untidy as they want, but all the space possibly not. So in a way, can you find possibly a middle way? But, and also to see that at times, very likely it does not bother you. You can really, okay, it's okay. And at other time, it really bothers you very likely. And this will depend on the tonality actually. If you have pleasant tonality, then generally it's okay. It's one of those things. If you have unpleasant tonality, you're tired, you're stressed and everything, and it's like, oh no, one more thing. So anyway, it's kind of like, can, I don't know, can they be also an understanding from the children? Can they also have compassion and empathy? And how can that uh, be worked out? This is not an easy thing. So I kind of, you know, uh, wish you well in that. But there, I don't really have, I must say, a solution apart from really finding time for yourself, really finding time for yourself and being careful not to do too much. Do what you can, really do what you can, do what is possible and really try to find way not to, if it's possible in your condition, not to overdo, not to have too many lists. And because you're not very likely a superwoman. So um, if you are a woman or superman, if you are a man or they, but just kind of, you know, what is possible for you? And you also need to kind of, you know, take time for yourself take care of yourself so that you can not always have to think about 
the children or the family or this or that, can you really have breaks for yourself that I would really hope for you. Exactly, exactly. I think what is very important to see with um, qualities is that they're not extraordinary. They're not something we have to introduce which is not there. They are here already. So we have this capacity already within ourselves. And the, what the practice does is actually to uh, give them more muscle, you could say. And as you say, one of the, what we try is not get in the way. So I would say part of the practice is to dissolve the obstacle to our creative potential. So exactly, very much so. They're already there. And in a way, can we in a way dissolve a little the obstacle, which are in a way to them being uh, creative. Okay, I have a mudita practice which includes a gratitude diary for the last 12 years. At the end of each day, I have written three things I am grateful for. This can be very small. And three that I'm grateful for for others. It has been the more profound practice and the gradual shift over these years has fundamentally changed my life. However, sometimes I feel guilty for this, that I have so much to be grateful for. It seems that I'm still out to get something for myself. Not at all. I think, in a way, we have to really be careful about like this idea, you know, that uh, this is like, you know, egoistic. No, I think there is what the Buddha called the pleasure of meditation, the pleasure of the Brahma Vihara, that, you know, if you are loving, it's pleasant and it's beneficial, but it's not like a kind of egoistic uh, type of thing. It's not self-centered, but it's something that we experience. So I think we must not feel bad that we experience it. I think we have to really be careful for, uh, careful of that. That no, no, it's, it will bring us joy, not all the time to the same degree, of course, but it's what I would call is what the Buddha makes a difference between in a way ordinary pleasant and insightful pleasant. And it has a different quality. The first one as a kind of like a self-centered for myself quality. And the other as like kind of like a restful opening, uh, getting out of the way quality as Elizabeth mentioned. And I would say, yes, I think mudita can be a very beautiful practice. I had a friend who did it, a teacher for a month, on a month-long retreat. She just did that. And then at the beginning of the month, she felt all the things she was missing and everybody else had such great life and she had so many problems. And then at the end of the month, she suddenly kind of discovered over the months all the things she had. And she said it totally shifted kind of uh, her experience of herself, of her life. So definitely, uh, a wonderful point. Yeah, no, this is so, I mean, first you have two different things. You have the fact that due to various conditions, 
we will not have a pleasant tonality with the same thing. You know, you go to a museum, you see, an, you see a painting and some people say, oh, it's fantastic. Stay 10 minutes in front of it. And somebody else is, hmm, what's that? And move on. I mean, this is just part of a kind of conditions. So that's one thing. But the other thing is what you point out is that, of course, some things we will really appreciate because of many different things, aesthetically. And so in a way, I think it's kind of trying to make the difference with appreciating something aesthetically because you do appreciate it because of your different condition and your friends or partner saying, I produce this, what do you think about it? So it depends what they do. If they say, what do you think about it? Then of course, depending on your relationship with them, you can kind of appreciate their effort or you can appreciate the color or you can appreciate the shape without saying this is the greatest thing in the universe. So you know, it's kind of like, can you appreciate something within it? But if you don't find it aesthetically pleasing, that is not possibly going to upset them so much. That's what I would suggest. Although, because otherwise you, would, you have to remain silent. And then they might kind of, you know, interpret this in a certain way. So it's kind of really depends on how you feel at that moment, how they feel at that moment too. Because, you know, sometimes they might want your uh, advice. Do you think this is a good idea? Do you think? And then you can say, oh, maybe the shape and maybe this, maybe that. Sometimes they want you to say, I see you. You see, in a way, when somebody said, oh, I did this, they're kind of saying, can you see me? So I think the first thing is, how can we show them that we, yes, see it, uh, we take it in consideration, and then find way to say, oh, the style is okay, or whatever, without having to kind of say, this is a great thing in the universe, and will you'll be famous soon. <laughs> that I think, no, but I totally understand. So now, and you say, the person who is absent, do they benefit? I'm not totally sure what this means. So if you could write a little more in terms of that, and then uh, I'll go to the next one, which is Alison. Sometime when I struggle with feeling generous about other success or happiness, it is not as simple as just a lack of generosity. So sometimes it is, it is sometimes a fear. For example, if somebody is happy with others and doesn't seem to miss me, or if someone is very happy and not noticing my unhappiness, it can sometimes feel as though I don't exist and I'm not loved. That is a very old thing, I think, from my childhood and very painful. I can see what I'm doing, but it's very strong. Yeah. No, no, here, it's also how the person is happy. I mean, people can be happy in a very selfish way and their happiness actually could even hurt you or they, by their happiness, they could ignore you. So in a way, it doesn't mean that we will be able to rejoice again to the same degree with all things. And so I think uh, is to really see that you also uh, would like to be happy. You would also uh, like to be loved. 
And you would also, of course, like for people to notice you are unhappy. And then it's also, can you show it? Can you share it? And, and this is tricky because somebody comes with a happy news and then you're really unhappy and you don't want to tell them you're unhappy because they're happy. But then later on, uh, you could say, oh, yes, you know, I'm very happy for you. But at the moment, I'm really, you know, not feeling well or this is happening. So I think what you're talking is about connection. Can, uh, how can I feel connected? And then the question is, how is a person uh, generous or not? Because you could have people who are happy, but very self-centered. So then they might not, in a way, pay you much attention. So in a way, one has to be careful. And then it depends if it's family or not family, but because sometimes we don't have a choice. And sometimes you have people you don't feel seen by. And can you make them see you? And again, some people might or not, but can you have other people who really see you? So I think it's also, can I connect with people who really see me, who really love me, and I can feel it, and I can also share my unhappiness with. But I think this is a very good point. And then we had three other people. This is about what I, it's kind of like a, a spectrum from absolute need to ones which are like a little, you could say, not necessary, just that you want more of this or you want the perfect set. But different people have different needs. So in a way, if somebody is too hot, good for them to sit by the window. Somebody is too cold, they go by the radiator and that's fair enough. Unless there is three people wanting the radiator, then they have to share. So in a way, he's not saying I cannot improve my situation, but do I do it in a harmful way? Are you going to rob a bank in order to have your house in the countryside? Or are you going to overwork to have your house in the countryside? Or is it possible in a few years' time that you could do that? So I think it's kind of, you know, back to wisdom. Really, it's an important element of it, wisdom. It doesn't mean that, you know, I will have kind of a hurt in the end of the garden, but what do I need mm. to flourish in a way? And then to see when is it I want something which actually I don't need, or I want something that possibly I can't have because of different things. And so I am wanting something which is really difficult to obtain, but I could get something in the middle. So in a way, one of the great teaching of the Buddha is a middle way. So in a way, a middle way in terms of needs. And then, ah, voila, voila. Does the absent person benefit from the meta? No. Uh, I think when we kind of do the meta practice, all the mudita practice, it's for ourselves. This is really a personal practice and not a prayer at a distance. It could help us that next time we meet them, we might be more friendly to them. And in that way, it could be beneficial. 
but it is not a prayer at a distance. We have to be careful there. During your talk, I kept thinking of a quote I heard somewhere. The quickest way to misery is counting other people's blessing. That's possibly is what we call in France, a misanthrope. Uh, somebody who, let's say, is not uh, into loving kindness and mudita. Again, I think it depends. Uh, is it done in a self-centered way? Then yes, it will. Is it done in an insightful way? And then I don't think it would. Sure, no, no, this is, I mean, this is part of it. It's like uh, back to the inner critic, you know, like, uh, your friend, uh, so the thing about the vaccine, I mean, this is kind of like a moral thing, you know, uh, they got it, two other people did not get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is tricky. Uh, this is hard because it's an ethical issue. So at one level, we can rejoice that they got it. And at another level, we can understand the person who said it's unfair because these two people who would have got it do, do not get it. So there is a little kind of both. I think here we can see that both are actually valid. Then in terms of your friend with the cake, well, who knows? Your friend might think, oh, she does this and I cannot do it or whatever it is. You know, you might be doing meditation and she might think, wow, I could never meditate. But for you, it might be like normal. And so you don't think anything of it. Like I'm a very good cook, you know, but I don't think I'm an amazing cook. I just kind of do it very easily. And some other people, they would think, wow, amazing. She doesn't need a recipe and she does this. But I think, you know, anybody can do it. So uh, I think you have to see what are you looking at that you have, they don't. And you're not looking at the same thing. And then the thing with... Um, because I had the same, not me, but a friend of mine, she would get boyfriend all the time. And another friend of mine did not get any. And the one not thing, personally, I noticed that the first one was not choosy. So any, anyone would do. And my other friend was very choosy. And so I could see, yeah, you know, this one, she goes through them because she's not choosy, but they're not kind of good. And this one, they're not good, so she doesn't take them off. <laughs> and I think that's a little, in a way, kind of the, the difficulty in terms of relationship is a little kind of, it's complex. So in a way, you can enjoy it. And at the same time, it's true. As Gina said, yes, you don't have it at the moment. And so you have this little, oh. but then to not reduce yourself to that and say, even if I'm not in a relationship, I still have a good life. That's what I would look at. Uh, and then I have uh, to say something about um, Dana. So we have to finish for this morning. 